streaming's a big industry and it grows year over year. We have big competitors in the market. And if you take a look at Mixer as a platform with Mixplay, um, they are trying to bring real-time streaming and interactivity, not only just with the streamer, but now with the games. Like for example, I was working with Scavenger Studios when they were making their game Darwin Project. And um, it did some shout casting things like that for them. And it was a good time, it was a great game. But it was one of those first games, it was a battle royale and the show director, who was your shoutcaster, could say, hey everybody, what zone should we nuke? You know, who do you want to give a heal to? Here's the situation, you know, uh, we're going to go do a manhunt. This player's vocation will be revealed to all other players. And if they kill this guy, they get a care package, right? You know, there was all sorts of crazy things happening in this game. It was fantastic. I loved the game very much. I still love it. Um, and uh, it's a game you, you should definitely take a look at. Welcome, everybody, to the Casually Hardcore Podcast, episode 41. I am so thrilled to be able to hopefully introduce you guys to a fantastic Mixer streamer, DM21 Gaming, uh, over on Mixer. We uh, got connected, obviously, with a, a shared love for Final Fantasy XIV, and, uh, and there's a lot that's happened that we're going to talk about on this, because essentially, like, we had the whole ninja thing, maybe we'll touch on that, but the goal... The, the ninja thing, yeah. And the goal of this podcast, we want to talk about video games. We're going to talk a lot about Final Fantasy XIV. You're playing Atlas right now, which is going to be launching tomorrow or today, like on Xbox with Crossplay? On Xbox. Comes out tomorrow for Crossplay, 12 o'clock uh, ET, and I highly recommend it, um, but it's <laughs> it's hardcore. <laughs> Guys, if you do not follow, uh, if you're on Mixer and you're not following DM21, links in the description. Go give this guy a follow. He creates some of the probably the most entertaining content uh, that I've seen over on Mixer so far. Uh, completely underrated. We got to rep represent any 14 streamer, uh, any content creator that we love and and, uh, and more. So check him out. We'll include links in the description. But essentially, uh, you know, obviously we're sitting here going to be talking about like everything we just said. You just finished playing Atlas. There's a lot of games. So we'll try and, uh, you know, uh, put a lot of this stuff over on our Casually Hardcore Podcast Highlights channel. Uh, like if we have different segments for the game. So link will be in the description for that below as well. Uh, uh, DM, why don't you tell people about you, what got you started, uh, introduce yourself to the workforce for those who don't know who you okay. are and what you do. Well, I got started, oh my gosh, four years ago, uh, about, about four, four, four-ish years ago. Uh, it was a birthday present of myself and wife and I got together. I said, I want to do this, I want to create content. I, you know, I didn't really have too much of a goal in mind as to what content I was going to create, but I just said, look, I want to start my own business. And on my birthday, I did our first ever live stream as DM21 Gaming. Um, and uh, we were playing Ark Survival Evolved Survival of the Fittest back before Battle Royale was cool. Uh, and uh, I still think they did it the best. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, <laughs> I still think they did Battle Royale the best. Uh, and uh, it was, and we got started, we started, started playing, and uh, we started blowing up here at DM21 Gaming when we started covering Chronicles of Illyria which is a still not yet released sandbox MMORPG. Uh, and um, that's being made by Soulbound Studios. And then uh, we've got into No Man's Sky. I did some videos that got near a million views. A couple of them did. Uh, shouted out by Total Biscuit at one point. 
it was kind of crazy. That sounds and then, nuts. And then No Man's Sky came out, and uh, well, rest in peace, the dream. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of uh, that's kind of like you know how we kind of got on the map, and uh, we we did we did a lot of really cool videos by No Man's Sky. I was a No Man's Sky mainstreamer, uh, world first Atlas Path completion, world first Atlas Path and Galactic Center completion, and world first fully streamed permadeath run to the middle. Uh, so. I, I did a couple things uh, in No Man's Sky that uh, that are, I guess, noteworthy if you're a No Man's Sky fan. Uh, well, it's come back, right? Like they've they've put in the yeah. work, they put in the elbow grease. Have you checked out any of the updates to No Man's Sky? I, I have, and as somebody who's played No Man's Sky as much as I have, you know, it, it's kind of easy to see between the lines of okay, this is what they added, this is what they changed. Okay, here are the new stuff, and un unfortunately, the magic is sort of gone from the game for me. Uh, but if you haven't played No Man's Sky, it's a fantastic time to pop in. Oh, Definitely right. do check it out. Yeah. So uh, for this podcast, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and more. Be sure that if you're listening on podcast services, uh, give us a rating. Let us know what you think about the show. Help us out and spread the word. We do want to thank our partnership here with uh, Shadow PC. We've uh, got a, a kind of been doing all of our gaming, all of our PC gaming in the cloud. Uh, and uh, we have a code for, uh, if you guys are interested checking it out, for $10 off for uh, code do work, uh, check them out uh, as well. It helps out the channel and it lets you guys test out to see if you are ready for the cloud gaming revolution uh, with the business concluded. Let's have some fun, guys. Um, what, are you, what are you guys playing? I'm actually, uh, I'm going to toss to Chris because uh, Chris, you've been playing a lot of different games. You just reviewed a, a game for the channel uh, for Caravan Stories, which is kind of that uh, MMO oh, yeah. uh, kind of like... It the most relaxing MMO I've ever played. I'm, I'm incredibly interested to hear what you have to say about this because I've seen bits and pieces but I haven't played. It's only on PS4, so I was like... Because uh, we were like, hey, let's play together, and it's that's, like... That's my single biggest complaint. Like, it would be the ultimate Switch game. So I just... Uh, my wife and I take, like, one big vacation every year, um, and by planning it so far in advance, we can get really cheap flights places, so we go really cool places. So this year we went to Scotland, and that results in a really long flight. And if I could have had that game with me on the plane, I would have played it the entire... I think it worked out to like a 10 hour trip there and like a nine hour trip back. I would have played it the entire time. Hmm. Uh, but it's it's basically like an MMO, kind of like an old school turn-based, but it has this like auto fight feature that you kind of just override when necessary. So the game kind of has your baseline quality here and it will handle that for you. Now it won't just auto play if you go AFK. Like if you tell it to auto fight and then you just like go to dinner, when you come back, your PlayStation will shut off because it eventually stops doing things. Um, but your base game is like being played. So it's like in Final Fantasy, like it's like running with a trust, but for literally all forms of content. Imagine if your trust could take you to the next fate, it could push through the dialogue for you. Like it, it imagine you're just running a trust to the entire game and then you're overriding it when necessary. Would you say that's um, a, a kind of in the main game or just something to play casually? Like, for example, on your Switch, you could be playing 14 and then it's like you would just have that running there and kind of managing your party. I would think it's just a casual game. It's a lot about like collecting these like 300 or whatever different heroes and collecting these different beasts. It's a lot more about just accruing things just for the sake of accruing things. So like in, I play a lot of games. So I compare it to like the time I spend on like some of my phone games or like a game that I just kind of let like relax. Like, like when 14 is too much at the end of the night and like a shooter is definitely too much, that game that you kind of just play that is almost easier than watching TV. Um, this <laughs> beautiful and you just sit there, I have my controller in my hands. You could almost fall asleep while playing it. Um, 
the combat's fun. Unlocking a new hero is fun. Uh, yeah. So, uh, DM, like you, uh, you recently just finished Greedfall and you've uh, playing I Atlas. And, yes. uh, and so I, I was enjoying hanging out with your streams as well. And before that, we went live with the show, you touched on like you hit, uh, you know, kind of that 470, uh, you know, gear in 14. And now you're just kind of waiting for the next content. So yeah. you obviously as a variety streamer play a lot of games. So uh, within the, with due time, like maybe keep it to 10, 15 minutes for the games that you're playing, unless you just want to gush on Atlas, which I would l happily sit back and listen. To I, I, I will happily gush on Atlas. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy 14, you know, just Shadowbringers was the best expansion for Final Fantasy 14. And, you know, I really wish that we could get a lot more more people watching Final Fantasy 14 over at Mixer. That's where I stream at. Uh, it's got a nice community over at Twitch and YouTube. Uh, but man, like I've been trying. Like and I really hope that you know, with with PlayStation, Sony opening up the doors for crossplay to all developers, that makes it easier for the game to come to Xbox. Because then that'd be then such the, a huge boost. Yeah. I oh mean, yeah. It would. Oof, please. Speaking completely selfishly, as like yes. apparently the leader in controller guides, like. <laughs> I, I, they're people's words not mine i was like man if this game would come to xbox there's a lot of people on xbox who use controllers i'll happily oh, yeah. teach them how to play the game with oh, a yeah. controller anyway. i mean like not not only that but it opens the doors up to a whole community of people who desperately want a good mmo experience and of mm -hmm. course there's bless unleashed uh it's getting into an other early phase in november i think it's their open beta test in november 7th i believe i've been playing that that game and i know bless online wasn't very good uh, but no. bless unleashed i've actually thoroughly enjoyed that so i'm i'm very excited about that one uh coming out soon um november 7th i think that's when that uh that game will drop for another test phase uh they delayed that one too uh and which i think was a good move for them even mm -hmm. though i like the game they definitely definitely need some more polish and time on combat. So I think that's what they're really focused on. So I'm really excited to see what they do with that one when that one comes out to test phase in November. Um, Greedfall. Do you get to the end of it? Oh, yeah, I beat it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I More than once? Um, I was I was working on a second playthrough, but then, um, you know, I, I had to play other things. <laughs> For the stream's sake, you know, I like... You know, when you do this full time, you know, you, you, you notice trends and when less people start watching, it's like, OK, well, maybe maybe I can't play Greedfall selfishly anymore. Um, and I watched the skill up uh, review on it. And, and for the most part, he was right. Um, and he, but I have a, I'm, I'm much more forgiving, I guess, maybe for double A publishers or double A uh, uh, indie dev studios, uh, which which they are. Uh, but Greedfall, I love the story. Um yeah, it had some reproduced environments and maps. Combat is actually pretty good uh, for what I experienced. And some big events, big climatic events that happen in the game might not even happen at all for you uh, on your first playthrough uh, compared to your second playthrough. So uh, I don't want to give too many spoilers. That was uh, my one question about the game. Was yeah. it looked at a lot of player agency? I didn't pick the game up, but I just mm. wondered if you felt like, do you really feel like you had control over your questing experience and your play through the story like i watched a couple of people play it and it looked like you really had a lot like one of the issues i have with say like a final fantasy game is you can have the best story of all time let's call that shadowbringers if i had to insert a name here sure yeah great story so you can have this wonderful story but whether you like that story don't like that story you wish you could befriend a bad person in the story or kill them the first time you see them 
you really don't have that option. It's a lot more like going to a movie where you just play through it and you're going to have your, you, your story in Shadowbringers ends the same point mine does, no matter what kind of player you are. But in Greedfall, do you really feel that you had the ability to steer into something that uniquely fit you? Um, yes and no. I mean, like me, I'm a diplomat. I like to make friends with everybody. So the game was perfect for me. So it, it definitely gave me a lot of player agency on my second playthrough. I was like, okay, I'm going to go hang out with Talime, which is like the theocratic uh, Nazis, you know, join our religion or die kind of thing. And I'm like, I'm just going to burn the whole Island and, and like be a religious zealot. And I couldn't <laughs> really do that. Uh, as much as I wanted to, uh, there are certainly options uh, where you can kind of be a bit more of a bad guy, but it's pretty much, it did make me feel like, yeah, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're a native to the land, the clans and the tribes um, are supposed to be sort of your focus. Uh, and it's really hard to kind of just go completely genocidal against the locals. Not that, you know, I would do that. No, I ever. It's one of those questions, right? Like how yeah. far or outside of the lines can you color in a video game? Because it's really frustrating when a game gives you like, we gave you five dialogue options. It's like, and I didn't agree with any of them. Like yeah. when I made me select one. Or when you select it, it's all taking you into the same thing. It's like, okay, thank you for that. And, and we see all that a lot with like online games because it's obviously yeah. very difficult because I think that especially from just imagine the lore side of it. Just imagine just like, cause I know that uh, in Eureka with uh, within Stormblood, like there's a certain special cutscene that you get if you answer a dialogue question one way or the other. And there was a lot of the community that was like, I can't get that now. Like that can change, that changes the story of Eureka, which, which is the true path or something of that nature where that's yeah. for some people felt like that was like a real betrayal of that because how do you have that kind of agency from a story narrative perspective in a game like 14? And I think you, you don't, I think you're, you're playing the story of the game and being able to experience it. And agency is found in, uh, in other, uh, other forms. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is, is that oftentimes I, I say, Hey, developers tell your story. Don't worry about player agency. Just tell your story. And, um, you know, Shadowbringers does that quite well. They tell a great story. Everybody experiences the same, but amazing story. And that's what's up. When you get a lot of these choices, you do end up like, okay, this path is really good and very well written, but the writer who did sort of went this direction was terrible. And, and so you get the player agency, but then you don't get as good or as thought provoking of a story. You feel kind of cheated because my play style didn't get the better writer or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so there's pros and cons to it. Uh, and in all honesty, Greedfall, um, it does have some replayability. I, as soon as I beat the game, I immediately restarted. Um, I was ready to dive right back in, and uh, and I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, I got pretty far in that playthrough, but eventually I did have to stop. Not not because I wanted to stop. I could have kept playing that game probably two, three playthroughs easily. Um, so, so that brings up a kind of an interesting, you know, kind of question from my perspective because this is kind of the business of content creation and streaming. Because yeah. you said that yeah, if it was up to you in that regards, it's what you want to do, but that is at a sacrifice of essentially the, the real expectation of you're playing and you're having that community engagement. And if that yeah. drops off, like you, how do you do that? And so I, I'm sure you get a lot of people who ask uh, like, Hey, how do you get started? Like, et cetera, et cetera. The thing I always kind of worry about from a variety perspective is that if you don't have kind of that audience, you end up having this fee in which that you're only just kind of, people are only just kind of 
hanging out to see what you think about a game initially and not have that in-depth conversation relationship. Do you have thoughts like on that? Because if you could keep playing that, but then no one's going to watch, like, is it worth it? Like, how do you rectify or balance the business side of content creation with the enjoyment of content creation? You know, um, when you play games for a living, it it does kind of become a job. Um, And some people, they... Like I know many streamers who play the same game every day and they hate that game, but that's how they pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they're off stream, they play something else. Um, and, and, you know, they sort of have their own private community of friends. And, and I, I, I know several streamers who do that. Um, so, is it, is, you know, do you ever wonder that's, if that's disingenuous? Cause there's, there's a lot oh, of, yeah. yeah, no, it's completely disingenuous, but I sympathize. Um, streaming is a business you know, it's, it's sort of the, uh, and I was going through business school and I had a few mentors in my life. One of them told me, it's like, Hey, you know, you know, McDonald's sells burgers, right? Yeah. McDonald's sells burgers, pretty much what they're known for burgers and fries, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what if one day everybody wakes up and they don't want burgers and fries anymore. They want tacos. Do you think McDonald's would continue to serve burgers and fries? Or do you think they'd introduce some tacos? Well, no one's buying yeah. It's like they didn't introduce tacos. <laughs> they, they throw out tacos. Yeah, exactly. So I, and, 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 you know, that's kind of how it has to go sometimes for streaming games. Now, the cool thing is, is that we did get a full solid playthrough of Greedfall and um, Spiders was kind enough to give me a free copy of the game. And um, that did not affect my enjoyment of the, I, I immediately replayed it. Like I loved that game. Um, and uh, they, they were fantastic. I, I think the game was good. Uh, for what it is don't go in there thinking you're going to get a full-on you know uh witcher experience um or dragon age inquisition think of it as sort of those things light with some really interesting changes the gameplay mechanics as far as character progression goes i like i like their their character progression Mm -hmm. significantly i I thought it was fantastic so um i'm going to jump in because there's obviously a bigger narrative that goes around in gaming right now and that's essentially monetization monetization Uh, gamers uh like i would say hardcore enthusiast gamers gamers like us like we're following the news we're excited we're we're loving it we're we're in uh you know but then mtx is just always kind of feeling there and i honestly think like when we talk about the business side of it that mtx is just the business response to the fact that people keep opening their wallets and so why wouldn't, you know, you keep asking me to sell you a car and okay, well, here's your car. Like, okay, fine. Like I'll sell that to you. And then more people do that. And so all of a sudden you're like, wait, we went from, you know, a hundred million dollar industry to a hundred billion dollar industry because this is what people are responding to. So on that note though, do you feel that gamers who are frustrated with MTX and how some of these companies are, are handling it do need to spend time with games like Greedfall and the AA developers and the indie developers to continue to continue to show that support. Cause my, my fear is, is that if you sit here and you don't, if you say you hate MTX games, but you don't go buy games that support business models that you like, aren't yeah. you, aren't you at the same time, not actually communicating anything effectively? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, that's what I say. If, if you don't like the microtransactions in a game, don't buy it. Um, just, just don't buy it. Like for example, you know, Borderlands three, sure. It's a great game. I don't like Randy Pitchford's, um, business practices and the way he conducts himself. Uh, so I didn't buy it. Sure. It's a great game, but I'm not going to support it. The other thing is, is that with or without my purchase, it makes no difference to him. It it honestly doesn't. It's a wildly successful game. Me not buying Borderlands three didn't hurt him in any way. And, um, and, you know, I will not be missed, <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to things like, for example, um, 
Let's take a look at Anthem mm -hmm. and The Division 2. Yeah. Now, you know, both games, not perfect. One was obviously more polished than the other. Well, I don't want to go down that road. But um, there was a lot to be said about Anthem's microtransactions. And when I went in there, there was no loot boxes. You buy what you get. It was a timed item store, so you couldn't buy whatever you wanted whenever you wanted. So there was sort of that, hey, buy it now before it's gone for two, three weeks and it cycles back, right? Right. Um, and that was about the only predatory thing they really did with that. No DLC, no pay DLC. Everybody, you buy the game once and that's it. Um, it was fairly clean. Uh, and then you take a look at the Division 2 where, you know, they have a full item shop um, and... I, they did have loot boxes, which you could buy. Uh, they uh, they do have free DLC, but you can buy a pass, so you get a week's early access to it, which if you're a competitive player, means you have to buy it. Um, and um, they were, in my mind, far more egregious in terms of microtransactions and had a lot more issues than Anthem did. But since Anthem's published by EA and Division 2 was published by Ubisoft and a lot was being made about it, uh, you know, People overlooked the microtransactions issues coming out of that, and now we have what a new, a new Ghost Recon game, which I believe even uh, a skill up. Let's talk everything about it. for you yeah. in Ghost Recon. Like it's like yeah. everything is for sale Ex in that game. Everything, everything, yeah, and it's too much. And, and mm -hmm. so they did that because no one pushed back on them in Division Two, and well, they felt like right. they could get away with it. Everything, and now everything says like you have this line of people buying wanting to buy this yeah. product. And they outnumber us. Like, you know, when you talk about, we'll just put it into perspective, 100 million PlayStation 4s sold. Then you take in maybe some consoles. Like, overall, I would estimate 250 to 500 million gaming enthusiasts. Compare that yeah. to the 2.5 billion gamers that are on mobile and they're just like, they're, they're just used to that. They've been trained in that kind of model that it is this overwhelming that we are the like the super minority and... It is difficult and frustrating because okay, yeah, like they didn't get my sixty bucks plus whatever. It really, you know, didn't make anything else because you have people just lined up throwing cash at them. Yeah, and those people aren't upset about it. They're they 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 find it perfectly acceptable. And and, and I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong to charge like an MTX in a game. It's uh, it, but there is a, a degree in how it how it's done. And you bring up an interesting thing when we're talking about Anthem and just Ubisoft yeah. like the division. Look at the game. Look at the polish. Like if let's say battle like uh what a black uh, what's the one that's just coming out? Sorry, you just you just named it. It's the as a new Ghost Recon. Ghost Recon. Exactly. Yeah. It's if that was a solid game, would do you think people will complain? My theory, and I'm generalizing, so people will be like, no, I'd still be mad. Like I'm with you. My theory is that it really also then depends on if the game is good or not. We will forgive the sins of like anything within gaming if it's a really good game. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, we're talking like, like, wow, this game is even incredible. Yeah, even, if, I think if, even Revenue Pitchford. Industry changing, not just not just a good Borderlands game. If it had been industry changing, even people who didn't like Randy Pitchford would be playing Borderlands right now. Pretty much, yeah. I like, like, I, I actually tried out Borderlands Three at PAX West while I was there. I mm -hmm. gave it a good shot, and I was just like, okay, you know, if you like Borderlands Two, you'll love Borderlands Three. Um, and I, it was more Borderlands Two in my mind. I loved Borderlands Two, yeah. but Borderlands Three ultimately was just like. Okay, like I just felt like it was it's 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 nice like to go back and look back at how gaming was seven years ago. Yeah, you know, if I wanted the Borderlands Two experience, I still have it. I can go play Borderlands Two. So it was it seemed like a mi like a minor upgrade, uh, and I honestly just like I still question, and ultimately the, the the industry will decide if them not going as a live service is is 
was the right move. Now, hardcore Borderlands uh, fans will say, no, they, they appreciate that the game is not a live service. But then you go look at live service game numbers versus Borderlands numbers, ultimately, especially stretch out over time, and there's going to be a hardcore, I think, people a base for Borderlands. I don't think it's going to be anything what it could have been in well, theory. That's I just, mean, like, you know, all theory. Go so, ahead. You know, the guys who make Borderlands 3, they're not part of a big publishing arm, right? Like, like who, who what's the name of their publishing company? 2K. <laughs> oh, it's okay, 2K. I mean, like, that's not like an EA or an Ubisoft. I guess it's, yeah, it's kind of big. Um, <laughs> Especially after you look at 2K NBA. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you ain't wrong. Yeah, okay, it's 2K. So, yeah, yeah, no. I what's the uh, what's Atlas's? I, I, I'm happy they're letting them kind of get away with it. Now, Atlas is Wildcard um, Studios and Grape Shot Games. Uh, pretty much the same company, different development group, uh, but it's it, they reuse a lot of ARC assets. But they don't have like a big publisher. Um, that's they're pretty much still considered double A indie. So how are they monetized? Um, literally by the game. You think that's sustainable long term? Well, Ark's still running. Um, no, they have DLCs and things like that. Uh, so, like for example, I can remember the DLC names. They re they released Survival of the Fittest for free. I think they even if you need, even if you didn't own Ark, you were able to play Survival of the Fittest for free. It was pretty cool. Because um, that was like thirty bucks, right? Like it's not even a full price. Yeah, it was. It was. It's. It's not even. Well, it, so the reason why it's not full price is because it comes out in early access right and so a lot of people were confused that when arc came out to full release they're like why do i got to pay full price now because they they actually did raise the price to 60 dollars. and it's like well it's because you didn't test the game you know you got a complete product you came in after all the bugs and things like that were fixed and yeah it's not the most optimized game it still has issues i get it i know but it was a hell of a lot better than when I picked it up the first week of early access on PC back in day one. And I paid, what, $15 for it at the time? Uh, they survived purely because of low overhead costs, because they're indie. Um, they survived because they offer um, what Total Biscuit called a desperation genre of game. Uh, he was talking in reference to No Man's Sky at the time. Hence the reason why I know about this. Uh, and it basically, survival is a desperation genre. People just don't want to play a game where they have to eat and drink and stay warm or keep cool. You know, they want to build houses. They want to have armies. They want to, you know, set up, you know, these huge taming facilities and even have factories and stuff running with automation. And then they want, you know, cool AI. And then then they want PVE story and objectives to go after and chase. And then they want, and then they want, and then it, it just. The survival feature list has been historically incredibly long. And if you take a look at games like Chronicles of Illyria, which is still not out, um, a game that was kickstarted three years ago, um, and they've made millions of dollars in kickstarting, much like um, Star Citizen, as an example. If you take a look at games like that, they haven't come out yet because of feature creep. People just keep demanding more and more from their survival games, hence why it's a desperation genre. You're never going to get it. Um, it's never going to be perfect. Uh, and, and so if you buy into a game like that early, before any of those features came out, before you know play balance has been addressed, before any number of things um, gets done, you are essentially testing the game. You're going to pay less and... And congratulations, you got the game early, you played, you paid less, and you dealt with the bugs. If you wait until after release, you're going to pay full price. So 
I don't know how I what the question was that led me to that huge discussion. No, I, I really enjoyed the the thing because essentially yeah. it opens up that this, my my whole complaint with Anthem was why don't we or why didn't they just release it as an early access game? Like ultimately, then build it with the community, figure out what the community wants. And, I'll, and honestly, the answer for me was the, they had a huge leadership problem, and it so, ultimately was just like, okay, yeah, whoops. <laughs> here, here's the reason why. Um, you know Angry Joe, right? Have you met Angry Joe person? Not yet? in person, no. Okay, I actually had the the the, the um, fortune to actually meet him in person. Great guy, by the way. All right, he's he's a genuine dude. If you ever get a chance to meet um, Angry Joe, he's fantastic in every way. Uh, but I met him at a party. It was a Layers of Fear two party, <laughs> and him and another Joe were hanging out. And uh, I stopped him. I said, "Hey, man, I saw your review of Atlas. Now this is back when Atlas first came out, and he trashed it." The dude never left Freeport, didn't even get to really sail much, didn't understand what the game was, thought it was just art with a C, and, and that was it. And, you know, completely discounted the increased scale and scope, completely discounted all the new features, the optimizations, the new building features, et cetera, et cetera. We can go on and on and on. Um, and he reviewed Atlas in a very, very negative light. Um, and so I told him, I said, hey, man, I saw your Atlas review. He goes, yeah, man, what do you think of that game? I think it's great. You suck. Uh, <laughs> which he loves by the way he loves being told that that his reviews are terrible which i i love angry joe i agree with most of his stuff but you know and we talked for a little bit and um and the thing is is that if you release a game to early access it doesn't matter if i shelled out 15 dollars, i'm going to review it as though it's a full release game i'm not going to discuss potential i'm not going to discuss player balance issues that they need to fix i'm not going to come at it from a constructive point of view um, I'm going to come at it from a destructive point of view. Why? Because it's an easy game on and I get views. I mean, let's be real, you know, so it, there are social pressures you have to be mindful of when you release a game to early access. Uh, people will treat it like a full release game and they don't understand that even though on Steam, when you buy Atlas, there's this, hey, it's an early access game servers may not be accessible you might not be able to log in and play you will be experience significant crashing you will be disconnected frequently it will be a very bad experience are you sure you want to buy this and you click buy anyway and then you experience those issues and you go well i want my money back i want a refund no you don't get a refund because you said you were okay with this you know they don't understand they don't get it uh, early access is still something that's very foreign in people's minds, even though it has been a successful um, device for, you know, getting funding for games in development. It's worked out very well for Wildcard, uh, Grapeshot Games, etc. Uh, it, but people just don't get it. And so to this day, people go, oh, I heard nothing but terrible things about Atlas. Oh, Atlas is buggy, right? You can't even log in, right? Meanwhile, I have right. hundreds of hours playing you know, I have my huge company and we're doing really well. And, you know, I have ships, I've done naval battles, I've done PvP. I've done stuff in Atlas I have not done in any other game ever. Um, the the massive battles that I coordinated, even back when it came out in December, end of December, beginning of January, even back then, uh, we were taking part in massive battles, um, a lot of planning and strategic sort of, I, I guess, uh, a lot of tactical intelligence went into that uh it's one of the only games i've played where i have a heavy focus on diplomacy uh most times diplomacy doesn't matter in these types of games um, oh i played eve okay i said most times 
Okay. Eve is, yeah, it's, if you're a fan of Eve and you want like an Eve, <laughs> but with pirates and no spreadsheets, Atlas is your game. So uh, is, that, because, is, that, is that the review we stamp on the box right there? If you like Eve and you don't like spreadsheets, <laughs> yeah, Atlas this is, is for, for you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Designed by graphic artists. <laughs> it's absolutely stunning. But if you can understand Excel and read them, you know, like some Neo, like in the Matrix type thing. Yeah. Gonna... Oh, I loved Eve. I loved uh, Eve. <laughs> Eve is my kind of game, man, because it matters. You know, how you treat other people matters. You know, and it's one of these things where an online game, you jump into like a Call of Duty game. It's like, all right, shoot them if they have red names, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's that's then that's that uh, ultra aggressive. Like, yeah, I'm going to come out there. I want to get you, blah, 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 blah. Let's put it this way. We had a situation where we were on our island in Atlas. We we're having a great time. And one of my guys saw a boat. And it's like, oh, that's not one of our boats. I'll go investigate. So he goes and he investigates. There's a bed on it. And uh, he doesn't know who these people are. He doesn't know what they're about, but he decides I'm going to destroy the bed to delete their spawn point on our island. Now, phase one thinking, that was actually probably a pretty smart thing to do. It's something that happened all the time, first season before people kind of found out who the megas were, before the big alliances came around and before diplomacy was firmly established on the server. This time around, those alliances still exist. Mm -hmm. You know, even though they wipe the servers, those alliances still exist. And if you screw with somebody, they will bring the full force of God upon you. It just so happened that he broke the bed of one of the most notorious PVPers and one of the like biggest grief squatting, you know, guys out there in the world. He broke that bed and I get messages from people and I'm doing a sponsored stream uh, doing the Grand Legacy, uh, which was great. And I see these messages come in from somebody who I know if he's messaging me, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and I have like 25 minutes left of the streams. So I see that message. I'm like, oh no, please no, for the love of God, what happened? Um, so I finally click off and he goes, I can't believe that you are having your people destroy our spawn points. We're coming after you. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and, and like, and I, I seen the screenshots and the pictures. They had a whole fleet ready to come wipe us. And I'm like, look, dude, I did not tell him to do this. I'm going to find out who did it. We looked in the logs, found out who did it, what we ended up doing to that poor bastard. Um, all right. So he was on an expedition. We commandeered his boat handcuffed him, put him in a cage. And I said, look, I got the guy who did it. I kicked him out of my company. What do you want? He's like, we want his head. I'm like, fine. How do we make this right? He's like, all right, build a brigantine, really big boat. And uh, fill it up with 10,000 metal, bring it to us. We'll give you a trade. I'm like, okay. So this is now we establish a trade partnership. We're going to trade iron for silver. And I was like, all right, we'll do that. And uh, so we brought him over, Krepke, in a cage. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and um, we, we brought him over. We delivered Krepke. They beheaded him on a guillotine. That was good times. And uh, we did the trade. We left them a brig. And uh, and that was to appease the PVPer who we killed. That brig is still active and on grid, murdering lots of people. It's great. I hear stories about that brig all the time. Uh, and, uh, and we've established a trade deal. And instead of making mortal enemies who would have wiped us off the map in a matter of seconds because they were a mega, a mega uh, company, uh, we've made friends and we now have trade relations and we actually rent an island from them and the whole nine. So it all ended up being positive in the end. I don't know how I managed to do that. But in what other game does that happen? 
It's the only yeah, one I can. But that, but that's all. Like, that that's that's sandbox. So that's a, that's yeah. a game in which that essentially they set up the tools, and players get together and they create and craft that. Because one of the things we said pre-show is that like one of the best things about Final Fantasy, you hit you know your cap, and Yoshi P constantly says, "Go play other games. Like go and balance your life around not just Final Fantasy, but yeah. other games as well." And uh, and that's essentially because devs can't produce enough content. Uh, impossible to, to feed the, the the desire of gamers and thus that's where i always kind of lean back to where i love sandbox style games because that story you just told is such an impressive story it's such a story that's built around using what the game has given you yeah. in all kinds of ways so we're like hey let's make sure we can imprison people why i don't know somebody might want to you know imprison somebody it's such we it's had a so good cool. reason to do it <laughs> we had a right, really but it's like good reason they, to do it. The developers were, you know, have been thinking through like adding in this thing, whether a player takes it or not, whether they have a reason to or not. Yeah, uh, that it's like this is the system. Now you beheaded the guy. What happens? Like, is this? Does he start over at level one, or is it? You know, he like, loses XP, and he can continue playing. He gets to respawn at the Freeport. But I, I had, I, I kicked him straight out of the company um, because our our standing policy was is don't mess with anybody unless they mess with you mm-hmm. uh, because we know that diplomacy is a really big deal. So tomorrow when the Xbox players jump in, I've already seen the tweets, man, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest ship in the world. And me and my buddies are going to take on the whole world. I'm like, you have no clue what you're getting yourself into. You and you and your group of five or six other buddies are going to take one boat and wreak havoc. For what? Like a couple of minutes before, like how long would the response time be? Oh, minutes, minutes. I like basically we broke a bed and there was a fleet in the grid south of us ready to go. They were just waiting for the word. And uh, luckily I, I managed to talk ourselves out of that situation. <laughs> yeah, diplomacy, man. And, and you know, there's no game feature that says, now you must enter diplomatic relations with these people to avoid being murdered. No. Mm-mm. Luckily, I happened to be uh i happened to know one of the leaders of that of that group and so he knew how to get a hold of me if he didn't have an avenue of reaching out to me it would have just been over mm-hmm. they would have just been they over just, they would have just rolled up on you guys and destroyed you oh completely yeah they were mega like it, so what you happened, know. like what's the cost of that like so you have your company like what's the total downtime cost uh financial like loss because i know i've heard of e and eve people have lost what they equate to like real world dollars like like, can you believe like this ship that was that would cost? Somebody- there is a real conversion. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there is real money currency in that sort of uh, through Plex. But yeah, um, so there's no dollar amount, but essentially, it was probably at that particular moment in time uh, the work of about fifteen to twenty people over a forty-eight hour period. I'm pretty sure we're still within for the first two days of the game. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it would have wiped out about 48 hours worth of effort. Now, we would have kept our levels, mm-hmm. um, maybe kept the ship or two if we managed to get out of there. Uh, but the problem is, is that, you know, once that happens, you're kind of on a shit list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you either change your company name and, and try to maintain some type of OPSEC to start over or you join the Mega or another Mega. Uh, typically, it's, it's pretty rough if you don't get an early foothold in that game. Uh, so a lot of these Xbox guys are going to coming into a server that's been online for 10 days 
And so there's a lot of people who have firmly established footholds. And so they will have to try to navigate those troubled diplomatic waters very carefully or join a larger company uh, or try to build an early alliance with one of the megas or somebody with established uh, footholds. Now, the great thing about Atlas is, is that there is a tax system. I own an island. If you land on my island and you harvest resources, I keep 10% of what you harvest. It happens automatically. So it incentivizes people like me to say, yeah, you can settle on the island. Come on, give me free resources. I'm down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so in exchange, we protect the claim and the island, and they don't have to pay gold for it, but we get all the resources. It's, it's a very symbiotic relationship, and it works. Um, so it does encourage you to kind of work with smaller groups. And uh, we have a few smaller groups living on our island. Uh, and uh, it's, but, you know, then you hear that one of your alliance members has started a beef with somebody who he didn't want to start a beef with. And now it's kind of like, oh, shoot, do we end this alliance and wipe these guys off the face of the planet? Well, I don't know. If we do that, who, who else are these people's friends? And you find out that they're friends with another mega who's not the mega you're friends with. And is it's like, oh, shoot. Like within like the game, like you can see who, who has relationships together? or is that No, just you can't see. You got to spy. You okay. got to network. You got to ask questions. Intelligence gathering is, is critically important. And so, you know, if there's somebody out there and, and they're causing problems, it's like, okay, who are their friends? Oh, okay. You know, try to figure that out. Well, I heard they were talking to so-so-and-so. Ooh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, in Alliance chat, they did say that. Ooh, so maybe they are friends with these people. But if, so if we start a beef with them, then that means we start a beef with all those guys. Yeah, oh, shoot. So, you know, you got to be very careful. You can't just go off and murder whoever you want. Uh, so that'll be fun for the Xbox players who don't know any better. Um, <laughs> so it'll be spending for an entertaining stream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been caught and put in a gibbet yet. I've been very careful about not being put in a gibbet. I have been handcuffed once. Okay. I have been handcuffed once. So when I, when I was handcuffed, I, I, I quickly murdered myself to get out of the situation. But, yeah, I, I have been handcuffed once. Um, I have so, a thousand more questions just on Atlas. But, oh, my gosh, like I'm going to have to check that game out. Uh, it's if it nothing will else, drain you, your life. Oh yeah, it's like that's that's the idea of these games in that regard. They do take it the time. They do yep. take that investment, and it's really cool to see that they're there. So why Mixer? You know, like one of the things that you're obviously like. Did you ever do Twitch? Like you said, you were like Total Biscuits shouted you out uh, regarding yep. uh, you know No Man's Sky. Like uh, so that means I would assume that you made some videos that hit millions of views on YouTube. Do you still do YouTube? Because I haven't I haven't seen uh, any of your YouTube stuff, and I and I looked. <sighs> YouTube's troubling for me right now. Uh, I mean, like, YouTube's a weird space. And I, I, I've been avoiding it, and I, I should make a return to it. Uh, and it's weird because there was a time where they were demonetizing videos if you're doing weapon reviews in video games because you mentioned the word gun. Um, copyright strike fiascos are still running amok. YouTube has... Uh, they favor advertisers over content creators so i it's it's a tough space for me and i know a lot of people still use it for youtube and more power to those people but you know i i don't need to wake up in the morning and worry oh my gosh now i gotta go ahead and dispute this copyright claim and and it's because even though i had permission to use it or it was audio that was embedded in the game and i couldn't help it and you know 
there's a lot of things that kind of go into it. There's a ways to navigate it. And I was navigating it just fine for a long time. But um, I find that my content really comes to life when it's live. It feels more authentic um, than, it, than it does when it's pre-recorded. Because when I record, I don't know what happens. I just kind of go like, welcome to DM21 Gaming. I'm Bicycle Walrus. And today we're going to talk about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't stand it. I, I, did you, do you do that? Is that like a thing? You ever feel like? Oh, so do I uh, hyper accentuate? And yeah, over... when you're doing like recordings versus live. So I, I think I'm more. Go, ahead, Chris. Go ahead. I, I record when I feel like recording, and so like. Yeah. But advantages there's two of us, and so like a content schedule can get filled, but a lot of it has to do with like I don't force myself to like like I don't have to record after this podcast ends. Yeah. So I or when like there's a thought really natural and so like what will oftentimes happen is like i'm working on a script i know there's a video i want to work on and then i'm it's it's over several days and i'm calling brian and i'm talking through it and he's like now's the time and like he'll tell me he's like you've you yeah. finished the script you're, you're talking it through exactly like you need to say it hang up the phone hit record and so you just hang up and then you just launch right in and those are those are the better videos now on youtube better quality better effort doesn't necessarily result in views like you, you can have you can have this video that you feel is like a masterpiece and like brian and i are both complimenting each other it's like this is wonderful you did a great job i can tell how hard you worked nobody cares and then you yeah, can have the some editing else. it's just like popping and oh, then you, you i've been there you just feel like you're like man i almost don't want to hit publish and then it becomes you know one of your top viewed videos of the month and you're like i don't i don't know what how um yeah which, right now is they're making changes to the algorithm so like my my wife was asking me the other day right now they seem to be shifting back towards watch time and, re and retention um which means you're going to see videos getting longer because longer videos are going to get more views which are going to cause them to get more views so they're just going to steamroll the smaller videos so i told my wife this and she prefers videos between three and seven minutes that's kind of her sweet spot and i told her right now they're shifting more towards that 15 22 minute and you'll see that in our content not necessarily in what we publish but in what gets viewed yeah um, our videos that match what they're looking for will do better. Um, and she's like, oh, do you think that's the majority of people? And it's like, I don't know that it matters if it's the majority of people. I think that they think it's the majority of the money, yeah. right? So even if it's 10% of the population likes 20 minute videos, if the others won't actively leave the platform and they can show more ads against videos that are 20 minutes long, then that's better than trying to please everybody um, and so that's one of the things that YouTube's constantly, and they have a machine algorithm. So like, there's not an employee you can call and get the inside scoop. They don't know. There's just an algorithm that just says, Hey, I ran a whole bunch of numbers and this is the most money I think. And it's ever cheap. <laughs> this is what we predict to be the best, uh, you know, in everybody's favor. The, so for me, like, I don't, I don't over accentuate. I, I, I choose not to. Um, yeah, I do. I do. I, it's, it's a terrible habit. I, on live, I, I am more, I think natural in that regards because I like, and I only, I've only, I've decided I'm only streaming when I have the ability to the energy. Like I was streaming at night and then whenever I'd end a stream, I would be, up i'd be like i'd be on and so i it would take a while for me to calm down and so i wasn't getting a good night's sleep and so then it was just like it was just bleeding over to the next day and i was like you know what if i can stream during the day i will and if i can't i won't that's going to be where it's at but when i have that energy i uh like and it's dangerous because like somebody who told me the other day it's like they're like i, I we prefer if you don't talk about uh religion and politics like on stream i'm like 
I'll talk about everything on stream. In fact, anybody who says I can't talk about anything, like you're not going to find. I like you. You're not going to you're not going to enjoy the content we make because we're actively trying to to not build an echo chamber, which is difficult. No. It's all about having respect. I, you do not have to believe what I believe. You do not have to like the games that I like. You do not have to. Um, and if we can have a respectful conversation, I, I want to know why you like what you like and what you believe what you believe. That's the enjoyment I get with that content and with that live nature. And again, I know that it's not going to be for everybody. People want to feel the the, the algorithm wants that echo chamber, right? So I know the mower's coming back. So I'm going to talk. <laughs> I'll jump back in in a minute. <laughs> so to shift towards like what you're covering on stream, you're, you're talking a lot yeah. about the kind of content. It sounds like the kind of content, kind of the people you like to engage with, which becomes an extension of the community you create on there. How do you decide when to jump to the next game? Like Destiny 2 is out right now. That would obviously be really hot to cover, but you're covering Atlas. That's hot to cover. Wow, Classic was just out. That's hot to Atlas cover. Atlas is hot to cover? Hold on. Uh <laughs> it, it, maybe it's just what's showing up on my recommended. Um, Destiny 2 is the bigger one. And Wow, Classic, of course, is the elephant. Yeah, I mean, like, so Atlas did recently have a wipe. And, and so that it, it was one reason why it's kind of hot to cover. The other thing is that Atlas content is just, intriguing to watch so there's a couple of hardcore guys that that's all they watch it's all they care about it's a neat little niche um you won't necessarily grow tens of thousands of viewers from that game or something like that you know it's you'll get those hardcore guys who tune into every stream and you'll also get the guys who are just watching to spy on you i think <laughs> they easily account for 10 views on my streams easily the spies easily at least 10 viewers uh so that's nice for metrics um but <laughs> it's a it's one of those things where uh uh when you decide to move on it's i mean like obviously play what you love because one of the things that that i hear a lot is is we could tell when you don't like the game it's not fun to watch when you're not enjoying yourself like we don't Want to be a part of that i mean that makes sense right yeah yeah so you know if i'm not having fun then people are going to show up so then there's moments where i'm having a blastity blast and then people are like okay but we're done with that and a lot of times like greedfall as an example people wouldn't watch because they didn't want the spoilers well and that's actually something that we uh we talked with uh scott zone about when he was yeah. on the podcast and how oh, scott that... zone oh man i love that guy Go yeah ahead. so he was talking about how like the nature of it within the 14 community itself is is anti-algorithm to the benefit of 14 in that regards because outside of like the ultimate raid like that will be very algorithm you know very positive lots of eyes lots of people watching putting 14 like you know in the viewership but if you go watch right now like just looking at kind of twitch numbers as a baseline uh 14 streams are just down like they're and, and they will be and then what 5.1 will come out but they're not going to bounce back for the story part of 5.1 because it is there you people want to experience that uh themselves and so it's once after you've cleared the story so when uh when Shadowbringers came out like numbers everything's down people are very yeah. sensitive very worried about spoilers totally get it but that ultimately is working against the game from a, the social creator economy side of it and so question for you 
because uh, oh, I see this brought uh, up. Quick. Oh, go ahead, real, please. Real go ahead. I feel terrible because you asked me a question about Mixer a long time ago, and we went on this crazy tangent. That's how we roll. I do, I do want to loop back into Mixer eventually, but what, what, what was your question? So it's essentially like a lot of people, and I've seen this happen on various comments. We had Dado on the podcast, and uh, some people in the comments on the highlights saying, like, he does not represent gamers. Like, yeah. streamers are not gamers in the sense. Like, they are because they enjoy games, but they can experience a game very very differently from somebody who would be considered a normal style gamer like i can't play games while i'm at work so i play games in the like evening when i'm home after the kids go to bed you know it's like you have you end up having this whole different relationship and so streaming has i think fundamentally changed how games are marketed how games are played and the kind of content that should be included and nothing is more example of that is the gears five season pass or the seasons in there the destiny 2 shifting to seasons something to keep people coming back that hook that keeps you logging in every day just so you can make progress so the question is how are games changing for live streaming sure like what what's your what's your take on that or should they at all because they are a couple things Streaming is a big industry and it grows year over year. We have big competitors in the market. And if you take a look at Mixer as a platform with Mixed Play, um, they are trying to bring real-time streaming and interactivity, not only just with the streamer, but now with the games. Like for example, I was working with Scavenger Studios when they were making their game Darwin Project. And um, it did some shoutcasting things like that for them. And it was a good time. It was a great game. But it was one of those first games. It was a battle royale. And the show director, who was your shoutcaster, could say, hey, everybody, what zone should we nuke? You know, who do you want to give a heal to? Here's the situation, you know. Uh, we're going to go do a manhunt. This player's vocation will be revealed to all other players. And if they kill this guy, they get a care package, right? You know, there was all sorts of crazy things happening in this game. It was fantastic. <laughs> I love the game very much. I still love it. Um, and uh, it's a game you, you should definitely take a look at. I think it's on Game Pass on Xbox. Go check it out. Um, but, the, um, but the, you know, they would actually let your live stream viewers vote. And it was one of the coolest experiences ever. But at the same time, when that was going on, the competitors themselves were like, well, I don't have as many fans as that person does, so I'm not going to get any votes. You know, they're going to manhunt me and, you know, now they're going to shut down my zones and cause me problems. And now I have this outside interference in my game. My take on it was, is, well, if you don't have a fan base, maybe you should go make one. You know, if, if it's, if there's now a social dynamic to the game that you have to worry about, is that not part of the game? Since when does your Twitch abilities in terms of aiming and shooting and response times, why does that have to be the limit of the esport? Why can't crowd noise be a thing? And, and so I'm very much on the side of no interactivity in games is fun. That's where the medium is going. That's why mixed play is such an important innovation. That's why what they were doing with the show director and Darwin project was such a cool idea because crowd noise, the 12th man, as an example in football is a very, very common obstacle that people have to deal with. Another obstacle, for example, how many of you guys saw the uh, Raven Steelers game uh, yesterday Tucker had a kick, kick to the um, to the field goal. That was where a lot of crosswinds come in. It could easily move the football, and he had to account for the wind and things like that. That was a factor that had nothing to do with his personal skill or really beyond that, wins are wins, and they do unpredictable things, right? 
So he was at a significant disadvantage than, you know, what the Steelers would have had to done for them to kick a field goal. So they ended up winning the game, by the way, because he's just that good. Way to go, Justin Tucker. Appreciate you, brother, man. Um, but that being said, that's how sports are played in real life. Crowd noise is a thing. And that's why sport fandoms are so like big and so important because, you know, you can actually affect a player's mental confidence. Like, for example, at an NBA game, playing basketball you can get heckled at the sidelines and that does affect your confidence levels it does affect your ability to make shots the crowd is involved now is that fair (laughs) no (laughs) but it happens and so i'm very much inclined to say that for certain games not all games certain games there are places and ways that you should involve a live stream audience and you should develop that way uh you know, people like watching streams. That they do. And obviously yeah. Mixer just had a huge boost with Ninja coming over, but it's been yes. two months now. Have you seen any residual effects of that move? And oh, yeah. uh, and what, uh, like, yeah, talk to me about the, like, the effects of Ninja moving to Mixer for, uh, for you and what you've seen, as well as just overall. Like, how much, uh, <laughs> I, I, want, I just want to know your thoughts on, on that whole so, deal. Ninja near doubled my view count um, for Final Fantasy fourteen. And that bump lasted about two, three weeks while I was going through the raids and things like that. So what happened was, is that I didn't even know Ninja had moved over to Mixer. I had, I had no clue. People were just coming in like, yo, the Ninja news, man. What do you think about the Ninja news? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I see my view count just start going up and up and up. And I'm like, what the heck is going on playing Final Fantasy 14? So what happened was, is that when Ninja made his announcement, news got out about Mixer. People were like, what the heck is Mixer? I haven't heard of Mixer Go check it out. Who's playing my favorite game? Final Fantasy 14. Oh, this guy, DM21 Game. He's got like 50 viewers. Let's go check him out. I went from 50 to like 125 that day. And many of those guys stuck around and continued watching uh, day after day after day. It was a big bump. And uh, they, they just didn't know about Mixer. They had no interest in Fortnite. They had no interest in Ninja. They just heard about, oh, here's another option. Let's go check it out. Um, and so there was a very big bump in that way. I think the other day, Ninja had Trevor Noah on his show, who streamed on on Mixer, and he's got a lot of star power. And I think that the more he interacts with celebrities, because he does have that celebrity status and brings those celebrities to the platform, like take a look at what Drake did for Fortnite. All right. Uh, his star power will bring more people to the platform. Now, my hope is, is that, you know, he continues playing a decent variety of games. I know he streamed Final Fantasy XIV at one point. He played a bit of WoW Classic. He does Minecraft, which is great. Halo, obviously, next year when that game drops, he's going to be very big into Halo, which will be really good for Xbox and Microsoft overall. It's a very positive deal in my mind because it's almost near free advertising because obviously, you know, he did get a, he did get a deal. But it's something that it's very difficult to predict what the outcome of that will be. So if you just take a look at, you know, Ninja's numbers alone, you're going to be like, oh, that was a bad deal. But then Trevor Noah shows up and maybe 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 we get a Drake to show up. Maybe we get someone else to show up. He's got the star power to make it happen. He's still going on shows like Ellen and and he's still doing a number of events everywhere. And um, unfortunately, the way that Twitch treated him in his departure um, I'm sure we all heard about the story about how they t- got took over his channel and certain content being aired on his channel, which was highly inappropriate. Um, you know, he, he definitely doesn't have any 
any good thoughts about Twitch at the moment? And then you can't really blame them. They took advantage of his name and his star power in a way that I think uh, was quite predatory. Um, so it's not like he's going to go back. Uh, and Ninja still, even though he might not carry the bigger numbers, still probably the most famous streamer out there. If you ask anybody, hey, name a famous streamer, they'll tell you Ninja. Right. It's momentum and uh, and that information is is key. Like, because uh, numbers, as you've seen, as any content creator stream, uh, seen, they go up and down. And that's where it's like the variety streamer. Um, that's where like when people are starting out and they're starting out in that variety sense. I, 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 my, I have a concern for them uh, in the sense that, that they're just chasing the hype and then they're not really, you know, they feel like, oh, I'm playing this game and people are showing up and then people evaluate if they want to get that game or not, or the hype moves on to the next game. And so, yeah. and so they do, and so do they. And so as that starting out, like, I feel like it's, a, there, there is a cost to it. So I, I guess the final question before we kind of wrap up the show and hopefully they start finishing the, uh, the yard so I can actually be unmuted, but uh, <laughs> why, why final fantasy 14? Because that's something like that. Yeah. Mixer like, Oh, what's going on with mixer? Hey, here's this DM 21 gaming. You just, you literally described like our kind of real entry point into it. Like I've heard of it, but I was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll check it out see what's going on there. And then boom, you're streaming final fantasy 14. Why 14? Why 14? Um, is this the best MMO out there uh, in a nutshell? Uh, no, it, like, look, it's an easy game to get into. It's very fun to play. It takes a lot of time to master and to play that game at a high level. Um, a lot of people, you know, really struggle when it comes to Savage Raids. Um, I live, that's my zone. I dig it. Uh, not the best. You're not going to see me carrying, you know, 95s on, on uh, logs. But, you know, I, I can get through the content. I can play through it. I do a decent enough job. And it's good times. Um, it has a very competitive atmosphere for a PVE game because of that too, which makes it really nice. And um, quite honestly, in MMOs, the boss battles are just, no one can beat it. it it's, it's, they're really good. They're really well done. Mm. Um, and I compare literally every MMO to Final Fantasy XIV. They have the right social stuff. They have the right crafting stuff. They, have, they, they do it pretty much above par across the board. Uh, and it's a really good formula. And the, the biggest thing for me, though, is that's where I've met a lot of my online friends. That's, you know, I started doing my first podcast around Final Fantasy XIV, you know, to only 20 views on YouTube. But it was still great fun. And, and, you know, we were having a blast. And that's how I that's what got me into content creation in the first place, because there was just so much to talk about with Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I think we were I don't know when you started making content for 14, but it was when uh, Heaven's Word was coming out. When okay. I started making content. So yeah, we, uh, we started uh, till, towards the end of Heaven's Word being, uh, con you know, on YouTube. So we've just crossed over three years. Uh, but oh, wow. Heaven's, Heaven's Word was out like a long time ago, like four years. See, long and if I had kept it up and did controller guides, I'd be worked a game. But no, I'm an idiot and I played art. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. always the funniest thing because it's like, oh, wow, that works. Like, it, you know, you just kind of yeah. figure out like what, what works because I would always create these like very custom tailored guides for individuals like okay do this and then it's like well i'm gonna just go ahead and publish that and we were chris and i were like yeah we're just talking about games you know just like doing different things like we were uh we have game footage up and we'd have a conversation about something and it's always yeah. funny when some one of those old old videos get recommended they're like why am i listening to you guys talk about final fantasy and i'm watching forza it's like we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> like we're just you know that's the yeah. big role we have and capturing B-roll was like a, a skill set. Forza is fun, though. It is. Forza is a I great mean, game. like, let's get real here. Forza is a lot of good times. Like, we could talk about Final Fantasy XIV. We could play you know, Pac-Man for all that matters. 
I do. I think there is a I think there is a video about Nintendo Switch where I am playing Forza because I didn't have any other footage and the footage of my face like came out really choppy and I didn't have time to reshoot it. Nice. I don't know. And so then like people were like, why is there a racing game? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't think the Switch thing is going to interest me, but what game is this? It looks fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's game it looks like a good time. Yeah, yeah. I, well, one, of my, one of my biggest videos, actually, it is my biggest video. We just got a green screen. It was the first time I was shooting in front of a green screen. So I, I did this thing where we were talking about multiplayer No Man's Sky, my biggest video ever. Um, and uh, I was in front of a green screen and... I had like this really spacey sort of tripped out, like sort of rainbow colored background. And I was in space and I made it, I like, I did the whole thing. Like I was shooting some type of old Nova show about space and like the final frontier and all the crazy things that can happen. And it was a joke. It was a joke. I did it purely because we had the green screen. I wanted to, you know, do some thematic flair with the video. It was a complete joke, 800,000 views. I'm like, what the hell? Like what? Come on! I need to learn. I need to learn from you, sir, because yeah. like, we, we haven't hit those numbers, and it's just like we've gotten. Uh, we've had a couple of like ones that take off. And, yeah, uh, and it's no, like, that oh, one was those, insane. You're like, wow! Like with those kind of numbers, you're like, I see how people could do this. I took off time. work that day when I saw the numbers blowing up. I was just like, what? Oh my gosh! Uh, emergency! I gotta go home, boss. Sorry, I gotta go home. I took off work that day. I was like, I gotta go home. What the hell is going on? I didn't know how to manage it. I had never had a video, you know, like I've had videos get over 200,000 views before then, but you know, that was actually my first ever YouTube video. I don't know how I got 200,000 views. Don't ask me. Yeah. This guy is apparently, uh, (laughs) apparently you need to get back to the YouTube game too. I might need to, but you know, it's, it's, it's about finding a market, finding an underserved market. Um, I forget what it was the Zim for. There wasn't a good guide video and review on how to use the Zim4. There wasn't one. And my brother just got one. Zim4, basically, it's a little device that allows you to play mouse keyboard on a PlayStation 4 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. This was years ago. And there wasn't any good tutorials or guides on how to do it and how to set it up and whether or not it works and to fully review it. And so I literally had a cell phone and I recorded my brother this is the only video my brother has ever been in <laughs> and he was like yeah so this is how you set it up this is how it works and you can key your you can map your your uh, controller like this and and boom now i have mouse keyboard and that's how it works and it's like and it was like maybe a 10 minute video and i don't know if it got shared somewhere by the people who make the product or what but you know, I check back and it still gets views to this day. And I'm like, it was terrible. There was a storm in the background. I recorded it off a cell phone. There was no microphones or anything. I that's, had no clue what I was doing. It was. That's my done with destiny video. Like, yeah. Like, Hey Chris, um, like there's something going on. Like, all right. And I actually like, I recorded it and it's like, okay, well I just, people need to know. And it just went nuts. And that for us, like it hasn't even hit 200, but that was like within the first week was a hundred and seven thousand. And it's like, what is happening? <laughs> At the time, I think our average view, I think we were just getting like 2,000 views in the first 48 hours was like a mm. good that, we were, that, That's actually pretty wow. good, yeah. Yeah, then, for a lot of people, then, it's pretty good. And it was doing like 500 views an hour, 1,000 views an hour, 2,000 views it just an hour. just kept going. It just, you know, Brian is doing more views an hour than our average video gets. Yeah. And he, he just woke up like four in the morning, couldn't sleep. It's just groggy Brian hey, don't think I'm going to like Destiny, you know? Like, it wasn't, like, you put out probably 
10 videos that week because at the time you were cranking and like all of them were better just objectively better shot better scripted better thought out and it's like no the host was actually awake yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like that yeah to your, to your question it's like no like i don't i don't over exaggerate in fact if anything else like I'm more myself, more natural, like live, because I'm just bubbly and I'm just, I, I, I run into risk because I find everything funny. And so ultimately, like, I'm a, I'm a horrible date to a comedy show. <laughs> Makes sense. But I just find everything uh, funny, but on on camera and everything like that, I'm just, I'm just me. Like, I, I, I'm a, very, I'm a, a overly optimistic individual and I don't try to, I don't try to play it up. I, you know, there are probably times in which that it's like, uh like with the can't like with the thumbnail like oh you know you you got to do the thumbnail game uh you know where you kind of have that i have a couple of those like oh my gosh faces but ultimately like no i'm either legit excited or legit frustrated and there's very little frustrated videos but you see that they just perform and i just like okay like ultimately i tell chris it's like you know i try to i try to make sure that i'm not coming off always frustrated because there are so many good things to play there are so many other things to be positive about if someone is off doing something stupid that's frustrating you know maybe i'll i'll record it and i just won't publish it just to kind of get it out of my system so it doesn't like affect me other ways and i also have to be careful about what i watch because ultimately if you end up watching i think a lot of negative content you end up feeling that everything's negative i had somebody like come on and you know i don't know if you ever seen that they're like you guys are like just a, a hater channel you just hate on games it's like <laughs> um like okay i was pissed about that like yeah right, hold on young yeah <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i was like i was upset about that but maybe <laughs> you only watch bad like maybe that like the algorithm only recommends negative videos to you because like we have a huge backlog of videos i would say like 99.9 percent .9 of them are majority positive excited videos you know that are legit like honest like well, that's um, true. Like, you know, the first time I ran into your content and it was auto-populating and being showing up my recommendeds, it was always negative. Oh, interesting. Always, always negative. It was never positive. And so then I started like, I, I, I see that. I'm like, what is this guy complaining about Final Fantasy 14? You love Final Fantasy 14. I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason that day, you, were, you weren't happy. There was, uh, there was two. It was the there, healer. There. You were mad about uh, dancing up being a healer, I think it was. Oh, I was I was disappointed. Uh, I wasn't mad yeah. about it. I was just like, yeah. it makes sense that it's not a healer, but uh, and it actually wasn't. I wasn't even upset. Like there were a lot of people who were mad about it, and I was like, yeah, yeah oh my gosh, like this. It totally makes sense that it's not a healer, but I still was wanting a, another healer. Yeah, and that was yeah. ended up being what it yeah. was. Yeah, I remember that because I was like, oh yeah. wow, like because I was like, how could they do dancers a healer? And Yoshi P never said that. And ultimately, the that's where it, the battle for and fourteen and marketing will comes down to where you see frustration in the community is that Yoshi P and the team they leaned into showmanship, which is great. Like the like it's a great like boom. But what what was going on behind the scenes is expectations did not align with what was ended up being d delivered. And so like Meryl Vieira is yeah. one of those, like all of yeah. those things are like, this is what people are upset about. And ideally we try to represent like, not just our opinions, but everybody else's as well. Cause it's oh like, gosh. this is what the we community is saying. And that's where it's when people come in. They're like, I was like, like I, I say, I don't actually like hold this position. Like, I, I, I think this is fine, but here's what other people are saying. And it's like, oh, you know. I didn't mean to open Pandora's box and so many talking points. You could have discussions about with Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, but yeah, like, you know, maybe oh, we should just do another, we should schedule, all of schedule that another is podcast. Just, yeah, all of that is just like, yeah, let's talk about that real quick. Vieira, right? 
No, um, that might be which, some fun if you got some time in November. I'll just book you right now. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Let's do November because we'll we'll get some we'll get some more Final Fantasy fourteen by then. We'll, and we'll Bless have, yeah, we'll have, yeah. we'll have like yeah, you Bless Unleashed. So let's let's get you back on in November because like we are uh, over time, and I do like try, we try to keep this uh, at an hour in that regards. Uh, what do you, you got? Any final thoughts? Where can people find you? And are you coming back to YouTube? <laughs> all right. So final thoughts. Uh, you can find me on Mixer, mixer.com forward slash DM 21 gaming. Uh, my name is bicycle walrus. We call it that because, uh, DM 21 gaming, because my channel is more about a community first, not me. It's not about me. Um, and, uh, it's about the community and, uh, and not only that, but it, at the time we had two other people making content on the channel. Uh, and, uh, so I didn't want it to be all about me. Uh, so DM 21 gaming is where you can find me and will I come back to YouTube? I should stay tuned. We'll find out more in November on that. Yeah. And, uh, the final thought, uh, and because I, I, I did want to circle back and answer this mm -hmm. question. Why mixer over say a Twitch or over say a YouTube? The reason why mixer for me is because I do appreciate the low latency. I actually really prefer the interface, but honestly, uh, Mixer for me has been a very inclusive environment uh, where other streamers are really trying to help each other out, lift each other up. Uh, and uh, it's been very friendly to me. And uh, the, the other thing, too, is that the staff here is, is absolutely incredible. Uh, they work really hard. Uh, and even though it's a platform pretty much in its infancy, maybe approaching teenage years, uh, you could see them just developing fast and furious to get out better product, better features, and they're constantly innovating. And we're actually seeing a point where even Twitch is starting to make changes in response to things that Mixer is doing. So they're leading the way in a way. So to me, when I pick a platform, it's about which platform allows me to put on the best show. And Mixer checks those boxes for me. And uh, I hope you guys give it a chance and take a look at it. It's pretty dope. All right. Uh, Chris, we got anything you're working on? Anything you're ready to share? Uh, no, I mean, it's always something. I'm always playing something. So I've, I've had a blast today. I wish that I could have time to fit into Atlas. Instead, I will continue to just settle for creepily watching people play it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Atlas, is, it, it, will, it will suck your life away. It's, it's, it's like cocaine. It's one hell of a drug, man. It's, it's, it's bad. It's like cocaine and hype, man. Industries are built off of them. Um, so uh, if you guys missed our show from last week, we had Paris from Gamertag Radio on. We were talking about Destiny 2 and fatherhood, essentially the state of gaming. There was a lot of really good uh, kind of talking points in that podcast. That's up on YouTube right now, as well as all podcast services. Uh, our next podcast is going to be with Tiny Blue Games. We're going to be talking about what's it like being brand new to Final Fantasy XIV coming in with uh, Shadowbringers and more. So we're going to be filming that uh, this Friday, and that will go up next Monday. This podcast is going to be edited today, and it's going to go up live same day, same same bat channel over on uh, Oh, boy, on have fun. Oh, man, it's going to be good times. Um, and then uh, get caught up on work and do all the other adulting things that I have to do today. So it is a good time. Anyway, for Work to Game, my name is Brian. My name is Chris. Uh, I'm Bicycle Walrus. Bicycle Walrus. Hi. <laughs> oh, guys. <Bye>. Thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in. And right, we will see you next time. Take care. Yo, we all do that? Yeah. We never. We never tell. We, we, we all do that? What? What is that? How? That was like we all did it in unison. It was crazy. It's our, we're uh, we, we've synced up, you know. Officially. Yeah, it's like we joined the collective or something. <laughs> <laughs>